Welcome to Autoimmune Revolution Radio. I'm your host, Justin Janoska, clinician and founder of the Autoimmune Revolution. After watching my mom suffer with autoimmune disease, I have made it my mission and purpose to help people like you. Unlock the door to better results, regain control of your body, and feel like yourself again. I want you to become an autoimmune alchemist and get your life back. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. May you be filled today with joy, abundance, and loving kindness. Peace and love. All right. Hey there. Welcome back to another episode of Autoimmune Revolution Radio. I'm your host, Justin Janoska. I'm really excited that you're here for this one. And if you're new to the show, thank you so much for being here and checking this out. I wanted to do an episode here on my story and my background and how I got here. I've been asked a lot about this and people always ask me, what's your credentials? And you know, why do you do this? And why do you work with women and trauma and autoimmune disease and all that stuff? Um, it, believe me, it's, <laughs> I didn't wake up one day and decided to do this. It really, there's a reason for why I do all this. My um, story is kind of unique in the sense that I have a completely different background. And over the past 10 years, things have changed a lot for me. And I never imagined I'd be where I am today. I'm grateful for it. I wouldn't change a thing, but it's kind of crazy for me to think about it now and how I got here. So I'm going to give you a, the Reader's Digest version of all this. And so I was reading my one of my books in the morning um, today, and there was a section about being vulnerable and why we do this. Because a lot of people on social media will share their suffering, and we all do it. I've done it too, probably, without even knowing it as a way to get attention and to get sympathy and all that stuff. And it's a thing that we do as humans, but um, really the important thing to, for me to say is that I'm not doing it for any of those reasons. Hopefully you can understand that, but sharing it to alchemize suffering, to relieve stress and for me to inspire others like yourself on how to move forward and the relatability, of course, that, we all can um, share in that we're all connected and we all have similar stories or go through suffering in some way. So that's the reason why I'm sharing this, you know, so you really understand why I do this and how it all starts from somewhere. Now, my mom has Hashimoto's and she also has type one diabetes, which she actually got about within the past year, I would say. Um, and that's because of me. I helped her find that. And it's, it didn't start with that, though. She started with Hashimoto's probably about eight, nine years ago when she got diagnosed, um, right when I entered graduate school. And I'll talk about the type one and how that happened. It's quite interesting how that manifested. So I grew up as an artist. I played piano. I did art. I did all, the, all those things my whole life as a kid and a guitar since I was 15. I've been playing for many, many years. Um, art is pretty much my jam. It's always been my life. And I went to school, undergrad school for art and my bachelor's is in, is in that. So when I finished undergrad school over at Rutgers University in New Jersey, where I lived, I was pretty much scrambling around trying to figure out what to do with my life and make a, make a living essentially. But I was pretty much a starving artist trying to get by and I would freelance and work in the film industry. And that's what I did. My best friend is a screenwriter actually for 
uh, over in Hollywood and he got me in a lot of gigs um, at the time, but I wasn't getting by and I was really, really, really struggling. So I was told one day by somebody, a friend of mine, Hey, you should be a personal trainer and it makes good money. And I'm like, okay, it's cool. I guess I don't do anything with fitness right now. Honestly, um, I never, fitness was never really a part of my life. I mean, it was, but not to the degree it is now. So I, I decided to do that. And, um, you know, quite honestly, it, it really was revolutionary for me because I got really passionate about fitness and health, of course, for myself, but it got me out of the hole and making money. And I had some businesses I was running actually at the time, uh, in-home personal training I did with my best friend at the time. Um, I've been an entrepreneur since I was 21, essentially. I have, I've started up two companies um, at that time that didn't go well because uh, one, 2008, the recession, um, we were in college when that happened. But um, this startup company with the in-home personal training was, was fun for a while in New Jersey, but um, things just didn't work out in the end. And I really wanted to get online and, and work with people in a more personal environment that was beyond just exercise. So that kind of fizzled out. And basically throughout the journey of this, I started to realize the importance of nutrition, of course. And I think we all understand that. And I started looking at macros and calories and um, all the benefits of healthy eating. I really got invested into orthomolecular nutrition, which if you don't, if you don't know what that is, basically it is the idea of mega dosing to super high levels of vitamins and minerals to support the body in a healing context with disease, cancer, things like that. Um, so I was really, really invested in that and reading a lot about it. And I thought, wow, this is great stuff, especially when we can use this stuff for cancer. And that was really where I was heading. I really wanted to help people with cancer and terminal illness. Um, something about it. And I don't know exactly why I was gravitating towards that. Maybe because I had a fear of having cancer for a while as, as a teenager. And that was like the worst fear I had in my life. I was a bit of a hypochondriac back then. You know, I would tell my mom, um, Hey, I have this headache. Is it a tumor? <laughs> Is it a brain tumor? And I'm laughing now about it because it's kind of ridiculous, but yeah, we can really think our way sick, right? So we don't want to have those intrusive thoughts, right? But nonetheless, I was really interested in cancer. And so I thought, you know, I'll go back to grad school and really study nutrition. And that's what I did. It was around 2016, 15, maybe around that time when I entered graduate school at the University of Bridgeport and got my master's degree in human nutrition, ultimately. Now, throughout that time, my mom had just got diagnosed with Hashimoto's. Now, she had been suffering with disease-related uh, symptoms, and now we know it was clearly Hashimoto's, but she had symptoms for years, um, starting with migraines and headaches that I remember her fighting since I was a kid. And she would be in bed multiple times throughout the week, and it really impaired her way of living and doing things for me and driving me to places and whatnot. So um, if you're a mom and you have responsibilities and you're in pain and you're fatigued and got pain, you know, it's obviously very 
uh, it's, it's crushing. It really is a big impediment. So she didn't know what to do at the time. She didn't have any answers. Neurologists all throughout the tri-state area in Pennsylvania. She went to Philly. She went to Philadelphia. She went to New York City. She went to every neurologist in the area and no one could figure it out. So it's pretty clear now that she was dealing with, at least for me, my theory, my idea is that she was dealing with brain autoimmunity, which is a thing that can happen for sure, especially in Hashimoto's. At the very least, it's inflammation. That's what migraines are, right? She doesn't have them anymore, and it's because of her disease getting under control. So that's how I know. But I bet you if we tested for antibodies at the time, we would have found them. That's my guess, though. And I'm not sure if the testing was available at the time. Maybe. Not sure. But didn't know about it. So in any event, she was dealing with a lot of pain. And so I, I really made it my mission to help her figure that uh, this Hashimoto's thing out. When she got diagnosed, and believe me, she already had antibodies and she had all the dysfunctions going on in her body before the diagnosis happened. This is what happens for a lot of you. And if you're listening and you got diagnosed recently, or you've been dealing with symptoms for a long time, you know, that's a clue. There's a problem. And so autoimmune disease is not an overnight thing. It's not like you just wake up one day and you're reacting to 12 foods and toxins and you have severe destruction of your thyroid or any organ for that matter, it's a slow process. But the evidence of antibodies probably would be there if you tested for it, but allopathic medicine doesn't do that. So just for your own edification, you can do that on your own through many websites, walkinglab.com, directlabs.com, ultalabtest.com. Knock yourself out, do it because doctors won't do it. Generally speaking, because it won't change their approach and uh, insurance might have a fit and they might get annoyed by why they order that test. And then you might get charged with the bill, but either way you, you pay a small fee out of pocket to do, to, to do this on your own. So anyway, quick side note there. Uh, so yeah, she didn't have that done obviously. And we found out really late in the game. And so throughout grad school, I decided to really invest into this and, and, speak to my professors, learn more about autoimmune disease. And uh, I didn't have courses on autoimmune disease, not like a strict course on it, but it came up in many of my other classes. And I took a lot of courses, of course, related to um, nutrition and botanical medicine and Chinese medicine and whatnot. Uh, so autoimmune disease and cancer and all these complicated illnesses came up in conversation. And I really just kind of poked around and started to pull different insights and sort of ideas on what to do. And when you learn about gut health and liver health and toxins and infections and whatnot, and you're researching all day and writing all the time, it's really hard to avoid autoimmune disease. It comes up a lot. So I eventually started to realize that I could help her now more than doctors are because she's not getting anything with just taking thyroid medication. And I had introduced her to um, excuse me, naturopathic medicine and got her set up with one of my, um, he, he, the doctor she worked with was somebody who was a, um, he's, he's a lead advisor at Bridgeport at the time. Um, so I got her hooked up with him and basically she started to get different sort of perspectives on what to do food testing, this test, that test, 
you know, obviously more lifestyle related interventions, which were helpful, but you know, as it goes, a lot of money and time spent on diet changes and super restrictive diets you got to follow and taking lots of supplements, spent a lot of money on labs and stuff. And I thought that was helpful and it was, but like for many people, it's the honeymoon phase and doesn't get the job done and you feel good for a while and then you're back to square one. And kind of that's what happened to my mom and pretty much everybody I ever work with that to this day, that's what happens. And maybe you experience that yourself. Okay. Because the point is, I always say this, but my famous tagline is you can't diet supplement and medicate your way out of autoimmune disease. It's just way too complicated. And that is a very simplified model over a simplified approach that functional medicine or alternative medicine does. So I, I quickly caught on and realized that that wasn't cutting it. We need to go deeper into this. And I, I really helped her figure out some of the deeper issues that she had going on. And way down the road, I started to realize how important uh, trauma and emotional health was in all this. That has a different kind of unique story behind it because while I kept seeing it show up in my clients, uh, my mom never got that address. My mom has a history of trauma and a lot of emotional pain and whatnot. So that to me was really the reason why I think she got to where she is. And it's actually what I see with clients now to this day, like that's a huge chunk of it. Um, not to say that everybody with autoimmune disease has emotional pain and trauma, but stress pretty much emotional stress, psychological stress, turmoil, whatever you want to call it is a, is 90, 99% of the time that's an ingredient in the, in the whole journey of autoimmunity. So that was kind of eye-opening for me that no one had talked about this in her past, in her biography. And so she, she got by for as long as she could until I think she really had to face that stuff and do it. But um, yeah, that, that's a big shortcoming in, in functional medicine for sure. So that's part of why I do this trauma work. Now there is a personal side of it. And just to keep it really, really simple, I grew up with a sort of codependent attachment, anxious, preoccupied attachment style, I would say through my early twenties. And, you know, for what it's worth, I noticed that I was attracting people who had a lot of pain and trauma and, or just also people who had unresolved trauma and pain that they didn't know it, uh, know at the time. So I, I found myself with people who had eating disorders, had suicidal ideation, um, had gone through a lot of loss and death, had emotional abuse, been sexually abused. I've seen it all, you know? And at the time I didn't think much of it. I was like, well, it's okay. It'll get better. And this won't affect us. And I was completely wrong, of course. So there was a lot of meaning to doing trauma work because of my own heartbreak and suffering. And I suffered a lot. I mean, there's much more to this that maybe I'll share another time because um, I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed. I, maybe I used to be more so about some of the things I've done and my, my stubbornness, I guess, to stick it out and try to work it out. Um, it caused me a lot of suffering and grief. And I'm lucky that I 
resolve that. And it didn't, and it didn't turn into disease or illness for me because it easily could have, but I had panic attacks. I had a lot of anxiety, I had a lot of this stuff that I don't really share much about. Um, but thankfully it was short lived. Nonetheless, what I realized was that my way of getting what I want is giving others what they need, which really just means that I can feel complete and fulfilled and joyful and satisfied by helping other people heal their pain and trauma. Even though I couldn't do it for the partners I was with, because it's not my job and it's not your job to save anyone or fix someone, as my therapist says. You're not here to save anyone. So that that was really important for me to do this. But it also just happened to align with the fact that, wow, a lot of people with autoimmune disease have pain and trauma. We have to discuss this. So two big incentives for me to do this work. So obviously I kind of abandoned the whole cancer stuff and I, I'm, I really wanted to work with people with cancer, but honestly, I probably would be also starving because it's not an easy place to work in. And most people are, are doing chemo radiation and th that's fine. Of course you can do that, but it's, it's really much more difficult for people to open up to alternative medicine, I think, and to integrate that into cancer. So everything happens for a reason, I think. So um, I'm grateful for where I am today with this because my mom's life has changed and she's gotten better, so much better because of what I've been able to show her that maybe she never would have found out. Or if she did, it would have been way much later and maybe too late. Now, I know I mentioned type 1 diabetes. And the thing with this is, and you might think this is a, a complete failure um, because she got better with Hashimoto's and then she got this. How does that work? I mean, honestly, most, I think many people don't realize that they're struggling with a second autoimmune disease, or at least it's brewing inside this, they call it silent autoimmunity. And you're not going to know. There's no signs, no loss of function, no tissue damage, but there might be antibodies if you happen to test, which you can do a whole screening for. It's not a cheap test, but you can do it. Um, I did it recently for a client. It's a, it's a multi-panel, it's a multi-tissue antibody test. So it covers a lot of antibodies to see if you're on the spectrum. And that's what happens. You can be positive for an antibody and that means, okay, great. You are aware of this and now you can do something about it now to make sure that it doesn't turn into a disease. It doesn't mean you have a disease if you have high antibodies in early stages. It means, okay, there's immune dysfunction happening, but now it's, it's up to you to take control and figure something out, make some changes, whatever you can do to mitigate this and prevent it from snowballing to full-fledged autoimmune disease. Now, if we did this in conventional medicine, well, we would, well, we might save a lot of people the heartache and the trouble of developing it. But the problem is that people are getting diagnosed and it's already too late. And that's the model of allopathic medicine is fix the person, whatever, when the damage is already done. And you hear this all the time with doctors and I hear it from clients. They say, yeah, we're not going to do anything about this. You know, when, it, when your thyroid gets um, too, damaged too much or in the context of Hashimoto's, then we'll take it out and then it'd be good. <laughs> That's kind of what they tell you. And it's kind of ridiculous, right? We're going to wait until you get worse and then we're going to do something about it. So preventative medicine is not a thing, obviously. And by the way, you can take out a thyroid gland or X organ 
and you still have the Hash, you still have the autoimmune disease, you still have an immune system problem. So that's for another episode, but just be aware of that because nothing changes. The immune system is still the problem. And if you just remove an organ, it will find something else to attack. And how do I know this? Because I've worked with people who have had complete thyroidectomies and they still have symptoms. And when you work with them and give them the lifestyle interventions they need with lifestyle modification, of course, then they get better. So that's a real important clinical pearl. So anyway, back to type 1 diabetes. My mom basically had an oral procedure done about two years ago, and uh, we think she got an infection. I think it's really what happened. They didn't do a good job cleaning out the area. She got an infection, and I think that is what tipped her immune system over the edge. And that can happen. You know, she didn't do anything wrong, just a bad hand of cards one day, right? She had mast cell activation going on. And basically, this is where something terrible like this can happen. You might get COVID, you might get a vaccine, you might get implants, who knows? Botox, any of these sort of things can happen, an infection, obviously, and that can tip your immune system over the edge. And then eventually, and then you can develop another problem or it could cause a flare up. In this case, it was causing a bunch of different issues. And we're like, what is this about? You have really bad, she's basically pre-diabetic and then went to diabetes. And we thought, I thought it was stress. I said, mom, you're always stressed. Maybe it's that. But she wasn't. She really wasn't. We checked heart rate variability. We checked cortisol. We checked some things. And it was all pretty good. And I, she had to be really honest about it. And I said, you know what? Something's not right. There's something else going on. Maybe it's Addison's disease, something with the adrenals. I'm not sure. Uh, because blood sugar is not getting managed even with diet changes. If keto isn't working or intermittent fasting, and exercise, then there is something much deeper going on. Now that's what was happening. Her blood sugar was still out of control. Our fasting was really high still, like dangerously high. So we looked into this. I said, mom, you might be dealing with pancreatic autoimmunity or, or Addison's, which is a disease to the adrenals. So we did that test or yeah, we did that test and sure enough, she had antibodies to her pancreas, violet cells in her, in her pancreas. Um, so she can't make insulin, obviously. So this is not type 2 diabetes, it's type 1 because your immune system is attacking part of the pancreas, which is designed to produce insulin. So yeah, that, was a, that really threw a wrench in, in her... <laughs> uh, her, her entire situation because she was not happy about it at all. It's, it's a lot of work to, and a lot of effort and a lot of timing and, and being really mindful about insulin injections and all that stuff. But yeah, to make a long story short, um, go see a biological dentist because conventional dentistry is not doing the things they should be doing like doctors are in conventional medicine. So I, now she sees a biological dentist, but if she had initially, then this probably would have been prevented. So something, some negligence or some um, mishap happened during that procedure. It's unfortunate, but we got to move on and, and take the lessons from that. So she's doing better now, of course, as we've been working through this new challenge. But um, yeah, at the end of the day, this is it. This is really why I do this because my because my mom's situation and her degrading health and her needing support around this, and I, I felt called to 
dive into autoimmune disease. And then I realized after I was kind of done helping her that, wow, this is really common. I see all these thyroid issues. I see PCOS and kind of everything kept started coming up, not just Hashimoto's. It was really the, the prevalence of autoimmune disease, infertility, PCOS, and then the eating disorders and the, and the trauma stuff came in later. And I've been doing that pretty much for the past uh, almost four years now, it seems, the trauma. So it's, it, it's, it's actually the most important thing for me to do right now is working with trauma and because it really is not discussed enough and uh, even more so how we're going about it is, is not ideal for most people, I, I notice. So that's a lot of what I spend my time doing these days, but it coexists with disease because that's what trauma does unprocessed pain in, in um, childhood abuse and childhood trauma, of course, is sort of the thing, the foundation for a lot of problems. And now, of course, it could be in adulthood too, but you have to in integrate this into any illness or disease you're working with. So I'm going back to school, I actually, next month in October to get my doctorate in health sciences with a focus on trauma counseling. I never thought in a million years I'd be doing that. I never thought I'd be going back to school, period. But I did that for grad school and now I'm doing it, doing it again. I, I've been back and forth with this for over the past year. I never thought I could do it because I didn't have the time and I'm still not even really sure if I can handle it. We'll see how this goes. But um, hopefully I don't drown. But, uh, you know, for me, it's just really important to do this work and to... Um, just immerse myself into the field as much as I can and connect with other people and colleagues. I've learned a lot of techniques and trauma healing modalities through private practice with my mentors and therapists and things that I would never learn in school. So going back to school isn't for that, actually. I might learn a little bit, but it's really not about that. It's more about um, probably, you know, application, of course, which is what that is. You know, this is about applying what's in research, not doing research, which is what a PhD program is. I'm not interested in that, which is why I'm not doing it. I'm interested in applying to people and clients what is in the research and, and what we can do to help others. And that's what I do. I work with people on best in that capacity. So I'm really excited for this, for sure. I mean, it's going to be really um, <laughs> probably pretty, pretty, pretty heavy for me to do this but um, it's worth it and I'm excited to see how it goes. So stay tuned on that. I'll let you know <laughs> how my, how my education is going. But anyway, that's pretty much the story here and how I got here with the autoimmune revolution and why I do this work. It's really important to me and I'm building up my team and my coaches are amazing, Maddie and Brandy. Um, Maddie is one of my, other coaches who has Hashimoto's and she's a school to be a therapist right now. She does a lot of work with uh, our clients with trauma. Brandy is one of my other coaches who has Hashimoto's and does a phenomenal job with our clients as well. And so, you know, this is my team right now and um, we are just trying to help as many people as we can. So this is what I want to do. I want to grow this company and I want to make as much of an impact as I can with women who are struggling with autoimmune disease and trauma. And that includes PCOS as well, because it also is a very, very common condition that coexists with a lot of autoimmunity, like 
Hashimoto's. So I'll probably touch on that in the future um, with relation to PCOS. That's a very important health topic for us to get into. So um, that's it. You know, I'll end it there, but thanks for listening in on this. And I hope I gave you a better sense of why I'm here. And uh, I'm looking forward to chatting with you more about all this great autoimmune stuff and trauma. All right. <laughs> of course, trauma. Thanks again for tuning in. I will see you next time on Autoimmune Revolution Radio. Peace and love.